Hi, and welcome to MentorCore. If you're new here, we're a community focused on helping people in the security, risk, and compliance fields grow their careers and leadership skills through mentoring. You can find more information about MentorCore at mentorcore.biz. I'm Dan Ayala, along with Lisa Beth Lentini Walker. Now, on to this week's discussion. Today, we are talking with Jess Knott, Dr. Jessica Knott. Um, and we are so excited to have her back with us this time for a podcast. Um, and we're going to discuss everything there is to know about how she has navigated career since the last time that we met up. So thanks for joining us, Jess. Thank you. I'm super happy to be back. This is one Let's... of my favorite things to listen to. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about some of the changes that have happened in your life and how you are navigating your profession. Yeah, um, is head first on fire down the stairs an answer or do I like need to be a little more precise? And that's my... the pre-populated answer in, in selection B. Oh, okay, so I should, let me, okay, let me be a little more creative with that. Um, I'm actually being very flip. I've been very intentional with what I've been doing, but uh, you know, we are in the midst of a global pandemic. So everything feels a little messier and, and more emotional than it was. But um, I moved from information technology and academia to um, what was supposed to be kind of UX and community building in the nonprofit world, but kind of became information technology, UX, community building and event planning in the nonprofit world. And um, after just less than a year, about eight months, I am now firmly in the uh, private sector doing UX and design ops, which has been my passion for years and years and years. Um, and so my very strange path through all of these things oddly lines up to get me where I am now. Um, so it's all worked out, but at times it has felt very much like head first on the stairs, on fire, maybe, you know, many stairs. <laughs> <laughs> well, many, many of the people who listen to MentorCore in the fields of security and compliance and risk uh, are familiar with that particular, uh, <laughs> that particular lifestyle and have embraced it uh, because it really is the norm in so many of the things that we do. Um, I, I'm, I'm really interested. Yeah. You know, we talk a lot about, um, about user experience in, you know, Privacy is often is often conflated with having a big user experience problem. Security having a big user experience problem because and and compliance too because all of these things create friction in people's ability to do their jobs, run a thing, sign up for something, use a tool, whatever it is. Um, so I guess the and and while I would love for you to solve all those problems for us here on the on the session today, I'm more curious about. You know, in places where people take things like UX for granted, how have you been able to take your experiences and your and and your your personality to to make people realize how important they really are, even though it doesn't always hit them right in the head quite so quickly? Uh, that's a really that's an interesting question, and you know, I do think I think there are so many more overlaps between UX and the security and compliance profession than we think. I think it's just, I don't want to, I'm just going to say it's, it's short-sighted when people are like, oh, the security ruins the UX because the UX should be holistic. We should be designing for the idea that this is a secure experience. We should be designing for 
how do we bring dual authentication into here? Or, hey, how do we make sure that we're able to put up a layer of security in front of or behind this? So we should be thinking about UX all across that product. We should be product thinking, not just visual thinking and not just, you know, not just security thinking, but bringing those things together and having a conversation. So um, all of that to say that um, I think when you ask how I get people to buy into UX and how I use my personality and all of that, I really lean on data a lot. And I try, you know, they're beautiful. I wanna show you like, I had the best day and I smelled so big yesterday. We showed a client their design for the first time. And we'd been going through all of the wireframes and talking about all the requirements and talking about all the cognitive things that, you know, I could identify in their Google analytics and how their visitors understood the website. And they were interested in that. But you know, when you go to a wedding and everybody's like, oh, I'm gonna watch the person getting married, see the person they're marrying for the first time, you know, whatever. I watch clients do that when we show them their design. And it was everything you hoped it could be. There's, you know, big smiles and big, you know, like just like eyebrows shut up into the air. And that's not always true, but if you do the work, if you collect the data, if you ask the questions and work to understand the client that you're working with, designing to that, designing to outcomes and saying, this is the scenario. When this person comes here, this is what they want. We want them to feel or think or experience this is what we want them to find. And we have better success showing them a design and saying, no, we've designed this to do that. This visual, this color, this button, this thing should all come into that. We can go start big, we can go all the way down to the granular, but every decision on this page was driven by some sort of data or some sort of need on your page or on your, you know, um, scenarios that we've talked about. So yeah. that tends to work really well when it doesn't, um, either internally on a team or externally on a team. There are also the times where I'm like, you know, the this Jess, yeah, they call it the demon. Um, tell me what you're looking for, you know, um, or there's a lot of teaching in UX as well. Just people don't understand. You can put a process in front of them, but if you don't teach them why that process matters to them, it's just like, well, why can't I do it this way? So, um, you know, my therapist, we all have therapists, um, said that it's like, I'm still teaching people in this role. I'm just teaching them differently. And I'm teaching people who care. And are open to like learning and, and all of those things. So wow, um, we're all, all we're in these fields. We're all always teaching. It's always more to more more to be taught, more to learn, and new people yeah. to you know to hear them. All those backgrounds, information technology, teaching, learning, design, they all come together into design ops and UX. What I love about this is a um, I think teaching is really important, and a good professional is also a good teacher on many many different levels. But I also hear a lot about connecting and connecting needs with what you're delivering. So design in mind, making sure that you are consistently hearing, hearing deeply and addressing the things that you're hearing. So let me ask you a question, like what gets you excited about what's going on in your world right now? Everything. Um... That's a very just answer. Everything. I'm excited about everything. Um, <laughs> Everything's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I mean, kind of. I think everything was awesome the last time I was here, and then it was very not awesome, and then it was awesome again. So, I, you know, I think everything is cyclical. But um, I've had the opportunity to join a company, um, a relatively, I, I won't say small, I mean, it's a, a decently sized web development firm in Lansing, Michigan called Gravity Works Design. And we do app development, web development, um, we'll do graphic design, you know, just kind of digital, digital work. Um, but we are focused mostly on web and app design. And I've had the opportunity to work with this incredible team of people who are like, we wanna do the right thing because it's the right thing. What is the right thing? We're gonna dig in and figure out what it is. Um, if we're on a project and we're doing a thing we don't think is the right thing, we're gonna pause the clock on that project, figure out the right thing and then come back and do it. And we're not gonna charge the customer. You know, It's really refreshing to be like, yeah, this is a place that wants to do the right thing. We're doing the discovery. We're doing, you know, the design work that needs to be happening. And I've had the opportunity to work with this incredible team of designers, content strategists, front-end developers, back-end developers, um, just all these people to develop a design process that works project managers from the time we talk to the client all the way through the end. What is the design process? And we're building that not from scratch, but from learning. So we've got version one. I haven't been here all that long. I started in September and we've been working on some big projects and bringing in pieces that learning and refining. And um, we have the first version documented as of like January 1st, like our first document. And we're moving through and now we're starting to very strategically refine each piece of it. So um, to me, that's really exciting because it's conversations with everyone across the department or the department, I'm still speaking like an academic, um, everyone across the company, but I can't just hand someone a document that says, this is our design ops process. You know, I have that document, but hey, project managers, how do you understand this? Do you understand why I say, hey, let's put four hours of discovery in here, but I'm not necessarily gonna tell you what it is all the time. Here's approximately what we'll do. Here's how we'll adjust it based on questions. Um, I woke up 5.30 in the morning one day because we had a client I needed to answer a question. Got in my car, went and sat in the lobby at that place and did research. Like, I don't know if we're designing this right. Um, Got to answer the question. Let's go see what people do there. That was part of our process. If we don't know, we find out. How do we find out? Because we need to tell them we did this research, we have this data. So that's really exciting. It's exciting to see it start to grow. It's exciting to see people start to understand different pieces of it differently and start to contribute to it. Um, it's exciting to see designers and developers and project managers start to talk to each other differently and um, use different language and start to try to understand each other's work in different ways um, instead of just saying, Oh, you're a developer, so you go do your thing and I'll do my thing, but seeing how those come together and how they intersect, that's something that can't be brought to a document necessarily. You know, you can't say, well, then the front end developer says this. But as you have that develop that document, you can watch those relationships grow. And sometimes that's just the basis for the conversations you need to have. So there's so much that can be pulled out of that and and, and used and applied across every role 
um, about, you know, meeting people and getting to know what they do and how they do it. Um, I was in a call yesterday and they were talking about one of the founders of this particular organization uh, used to spend an hour a week doing help desk tickets um, mm -hmm. just to get to understand the customer, just to get to understand that you know, why people bought, how they use their products, how they use their services. Uh, and it was just that eye-opening moment of we don't know until we go walk that mile in people in other people's shoes in the form of sitting where they work and seeing how they work or doing that role. Um, this can be applied in so many places. Our UX QA checklist, our user experience Q, quality assurance checklist, let me stop using all the alphabet soup, is built based on a list of wish lists from the front-end developer team. And this is what we really wish we had. And some of it we can do very easily and some of it we can't. So we're just figuring out how does this work? So when I go through and look at the files or I work with my team to look at the files or we're, what can we set up in advance? What is a template we can use every time that ensures these things are in place just right away? So we don't even have to think about them anymore. And so through those conversations, the developers are bringing ideas to the design team. Um, got, you know, some of the most talented graphic designers and visual designers and, you know, what have you, um, in, I would say, Michigan. Um, we've got some of the best developers in Michigan. Um, and when all of those come together to work on the same thing, it's really, really cool. So um, it's never going to stop being magic to see that. Oh my gosh, this was in Figma, and now it's working, and now I have to turn my camera off because I'm going to cry in a meeting. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> so... One of the things that we've um, started asking people is, you know, we're all working in these really interesting times, we'll call them. Um, what do you do to keep your well-being in mind in your um, in your life? Like, what are some choices that you make? I know we were talking about this a little bit before we even started recording, but what do you do? I did a terrible job at that for a very, very, very long time. Um, so, uh, I do have a new therapist who I really like. Um, so I would say find a therapist if you can. Um, it's just nice to have somebody to talk to that doesn't know you or like does, but in a different way. Um, you know, I, uh, and, and the company I work for is very conscious of this. Like the projects are, sourced at a certain number of hours per week and I'm not used to that and you know they're like just your over capacity and I look and it's like I'm scheduled at 41 hours and I'm like yeah. oh. certain number not being 95 right <laughs> yeah. and so I have to stop myself from saying all the time oh that's fine you know like because I need to model as well but if it's all high a couple of weeks in a row and there's nothing we can do about it okay you know so I have to stop myself from saying it's great. I don't care. Um, but the company is very, very conscious of that. Um, after I left my last engagement, I realized that I just, there's, I give too much of myself in ways that aren't always healthy. Um, so I've been trying to have better boundaries. Um, you know, I get a lot of outreach right now, like, hey, can you talk to me about leaving academia for the private sector and I'm like yeah I can give you like 30 minutes in two weeks instead of like absolutely let's hop on a call um so trying to kind of compartmentalize that a little bit while still helping I want to help everyone but 
um, it gets hard sometimes to have yeah. you know five or six DMs a day <laughs> asking yeah. the question. So I've been trying to figure out, you know, how can I scale that? What can I offer? Can we set up some groups where we just get together and talk about the academia industry divide? I don't know. Can you point them to a mentor core podcast where um, you talk have, about have, some of the things like <laughs> like like changing jobs? Yeah, I have pointed <laughs> them to mentor core previously, actually. Um, so yeah, like what are the ways we can scale that? Um, so yeah, I think I'm still learning, is what I have to say. Um, coaches and therapists are wonderful. Find the people who matter to you, who you admire. Um, I read a great book called Raise Your Voice, Not Your Game, or Raise Your Game, Not Your Voice. Sorry, you got it backwards. But uh, that actually offered some, actually, who knew, offered some great tips by this Lisa person. Um, but it was, it was a fantastic read um, for people beyond the security and compliance industry. So, you know, um, I would say just be kind to yourself. Don't, don't beat yourself up for learning and uh, don't be embarrassed about the learning you do. How do you how do you give yourself the grace to be able to do that though? You know, did that that last sentence you just said about don't beat yourself up. It's easy easy to say, hard to do. Um yeah. any um, any tips or advice for people to be able to be able to let themselves start to get past the yeah. self-abuse of I'm not working hard enough, I'm not doing more, I have more time, I'm working from home and therefore I have time, I don't have commute, so I'll work an extra 4 hours a day. Yeah, and that's that's hard because there are all these external voices telling you you're not enough. It's your fault this failed. It's not my fault that I didn't do any of these things. It's not my fault that I didn't follow the process. It's not, you know, it's it's your fault that you didn't do it the way I wanted. Listen to those voices and listen to what they're saying to you. And that's what I've learned in the hardest way possible over the last year. People are going to show you who they are. Listen to them the first time. Don't listen to them and then be like, oh, no, it's fine. And then listen to a therapist and then not listen to that therapist because it's still fine. <laughs> you know, like listen and really, I don't know, part of it's easy because I'm basically like a human living sitcom. So like I'll do these really smart things and then like in 10 minutes, I'll go fall down the stairs or like you know, I'm cooking soup in the kitchen. I have no idea what's happening out there. I hope it's okay. Who knows? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> um, but when, when I this, when this gets posted words, up on the webs on the MentorCore website, yeah. add a comment and tell us how the soup turned out. Will do. <laughs> I don't. I'm not good in the home. So like when I start to take myself too seriously, think like, what is that for? I've got this beautiful sleeping dog behind me. You know, that matters. I've got an amazing husband in the basement. That matters. He's down there because that's where his office is. I don't have him like chained up or anything. Um, and yeah, like there are all these things that I have learned to refocus on um, and then to rehear those voices differently. Like, is this, is this really my problem or is this your problem? You know, these are my outcomes and this is what I was doing and I met them or didn't. And I'm sorry, you know, listen to those, interrogate them. It all comes down to interrogation, but um, hold yourself to the standards you hold your best friend to when they call you and say, someone who's mean to me. Um, that's where the therapist helps. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things um, 
that we um, like to ask is the best advice you've ever received from a mentor. Now, last time we were talking, you had some specific advice. It was amazing. But, you know, as we go through different seasons in life, sometimes that advice and the stuff that's most meaningful to you changes. So is your answer different today than what you would have given a couple of months ago? Yes. Um, and in ways I didn't expect. So I know we're in the heart of the great resignation and everybody's, you know, we're this pandemic and we're all tired and, oh, we just want to go outside. And I don't mean outside. I mean, we want to get on a plane and go do something. Like we want to do anything but what we're doing right now, right? We're tired and we're just full. Um, and so for so long, I worked these 90 hour weeks. I built the 13 page resume. I did the volunteering. I did the publication. I did all of the things I was supposed to do because it was what I was supposed to do. Um, you know, and I, I had mentors and coaches telling me like, yeah, you want to climb the, the ladder. You do these things. You just, you know, you have to be a little less you, you have to be a little less big. You have to be a little smaller, be smaller, you know, just shrink yourself and just, you know, it's cool if you want to be you somewhere else, but like, if you really want to like be in the C-suite, you're going to need to be a little more, I don't know, normal. And, you know, I've had all these people along the way be like, you can be authentic. And I, I always try to be authentic. I don't think I cannot be authentic. But, you know, now when I think about it, the best mentors I ever had were the ones who were like, and I, have, I can think of three right now, one of whom was my great grandmother, who was just amazing. She, um, in her eighties was still cleaning people's houses and like hanging out with surfboards and hanging. She was very Betty White. I loved her very much. Um, my middle name is Lucille after her, but anyway, so, you know, you can be who you are. You just have to find the right place, right? You have to find the right place that will take you as you are. Like, don't, if you want to change yourself to like, if I want to change myself and go work for a bank tomorrow and wear the suit and be on the upper floor, I can do that. But what I've learned just since I joined Gravity Works is that I can do the smart things. I can work hard. I can make a difference. I can change people's lives for the better. Like these things that we're doing with people's websites. And I know there are people who are going to say, you're doing websites. Go to a crappy website. Call me when you're done. Like we're making people's lives better. Um, go to an insecure website and let me know how that goes for you. No, don't go to an insecure website. <laughs> That's what I'm, well, okay, sorry. I should not say that on a compliance website. Absolutely do not go to an insecure website. But if you did or ever have, you'll know what I mean. We make people's lives better. So just embrace that last time I was here I was like just be amazing and awesome and I truly believed it and then I spent eight months being told like I was weird or wasn't doing something right or well you read that but you didn't read it right what I meant was this you know and that's not real life so I guess I would say listen to the mentors who tell you what you can be and believe them um ask them how find the right places and be willing to change. Sometimes you have to pick it all up and move on. And that's where you find it. That's wonderful. Jess, thanks so much for that great insight and for all of the great insights today and for joining us. 
Um, Jess Knott is the uh, manager of user experience and design ops at Gravity Works uh, and a friend of the podcast and of MentorCore. And we're just so glad to have you here. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. And to everybody listening, thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate your, uh, your comments and feedback. Uh, you can come to our website, mentorcore.biz. Uh, you can find the podcast on your favorite podcast application. Uh, and the video version uh, is available on YouTube, but it's all linked through mentorcore.biz. We'll see you on the next MentorCore.